Welcome to the Planet Nerd Podcast with Eric and Jordan. As always, I'm Eric Weirdo alongside Jordan Angie. And it was a pretty relatively slow week in nerd news. Um, I think there's just a couple of nostalgic things that happened. Um, but uh, let's get into the one I think you and I are most excited about. Yes, sir. Hey, buddy. Sorry if my voice sounds weird this week. It's not COVID, I swear. Um, but, uh, yeah, so DC has announced the voice cast for their DC animated movie that's coming out this week. Um, well, the movie's not coming out this week, but they announced the voice cast. And um, it's really impressive. Um, you know, you've got Justin Hartley, um, who you guys may know from DC Legends of Tomorrow. He's done some acting in. Um, the, original, and the original Green Arrow in, uh, in Smallville. Smallville, yep, yep. Um, Anson Mount is going to be voicing Batman. That name sounds familiar. I can't think of where I remember him from. He was um, Black Bolt in uh, Marvel's Inhumans, which... Oh, yeah. Yeah, so he, he, he's, trying to redeem, he's trying to redeem himself a little bit. Uh, Laura Bailey is Lois Lane. Jenna Varney is Wonder Woman. Um, Gillian Jacobs is Harley Quinn. And our, Kevin Pollack. Yes. Man, as Joker and John McCann. I'm... Of all the people I'm most interested in hearing, I'm interested in hearing Kevin Pollock's take on what his Joker sounds like. Yeah, I mean, when you look at when you look at that, um, you're looking at like, I mean, obviously, like live action Jokers. It's I mean, you got look. I mean, think about like all the ones that were there: Nicholson, Cesar Romero, um, Heath Ledger, Joaquin Phoenix, and but like when you're talking about animated. It's Mark Hamill. Um, that's your like, that's your voice Joker. Um, that's who Kevin Pollock has to will be compared to, and it'll be interesting to see that. Um, and one thing too, uh, some of these, Laura Laura Bailey as Lois Lane, she's also going to be Rama Kushan, um, who watches over the League of Assassins, which I'm excited. So there's a few voice actors here that are going to be multiple roles. Um, you mentioned. Kevin Pollock, Derek Phillips is both Aquaman and Nightwing, um, which will be interesting. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I think the cast is great. Um, Voice actors are so underappreciated, dude. They really like, they don't, they don't get enough credit. You know, you, you look at somebody like uh, like Tom Kenny, like the guy that does SpongeBob. Like, SpongeBob would not be SpongeBob without his voice. You know, like it's such an iconic thing, and I don't, I don't think people appreciate and understand, you know, the nuance of being a voice actor. You know, you you see these Hollywood movies, and it's like, oh, we got all these celebrities to do all these voices, and it's like, okay, but it's not about the celebrity; it's about the voice going to the character. Yeah. So, there's a fantastic documentary. It's been out for a while. Um, Not sure if it's still on, but it was on uh, Tubi. It was on Netflix a while back, years ago. Um, actually, a former coworker told me about it um, because of our mutual interest in kind of voiceovers and just pop culture in general. Um, it's called I Know That Voice. And it's an incredible documentary. On, they get all these voice actors. You mentioned Tom Kenny and John DiMaggio, uh, Billy West. Um, Billy West, uh, for millennials, voice, uh, voice Doug. Um, but also Fry on Futurama. Um, 
so like you get guys like that and that these actors are incredibly talented and it's not I mean there's acting that you see on the screen where you can see the range of emotion in a second voice acting it's what we're doing it's like you're talking and then ability to change your voice at a time like just random stuff like that it's incredible I'll tell you, one of my favorite ones is always Rob Paulson, the guy that does the Animaniacs voices. Um, the fact that he does all of them. He was on there, too. Yes, and he he has like a stage show he's done before where he switches in between the characters. It's him and another guy, and they also do Pinky in the Brain. And it's incredible. I mean, like, you know, you talk about Ventriloquist and stuff like that, and th- that's impressive unto itself. But to have a, a person that can just switch their voice, the pitch, the tone, everything on a dime, and switch between multiple characters, man, it's uh, that uh, Frank Caliendo. I think yeah, doesn't. I get, say, um, yeah, he doesn't get enough credit. I don't think. Yeah, no, I've I've saw I've seen Frank Caliendo live um, in Charlotte, uh, and actually got my photo with him. Um, it was hilarious, and you really when you're seeing it live. When you're seeing someone like that live and really see their not only the ability to change their voice, but just the mannerisms with that voice, all within a millisecond. Like having a conversation with himself as John Madden and then switch to Jack Nicholson or Morgan Freeman or I mean, he does so many impressions, but just a uh, it's incredible. And these voice actors, um, and I think that's why I appreciate a lot of the animated side of DC and more than the live action. It's because see, of that. See, I'm not. So I know really quick, last week, guys, we promised that I, we'd probably do a Harley Quinn review uh, with me and my kid getting sick this week and everything. I didn't get a chance to watch it, but. I'm going to go ahead and make a promise right now that next week's podcast, we will review the Harley Quinn TV show. And I, I'm i not an animated person. Eric, I think of the two of us, you are definitely way more team animated, whereas I'm way more like team live action, team comic book. Um, you know, but so for me, you know, because animated movies are so hit and miss. And for me, I find them to be more miss than hit. Um, but I'm going to check this out. Um, you know, the, I think I've said it before in the podcast, if I have guys and justice is like, what are my top three comic book story runs of all time? And people tell me that's blasphemous to say, cause it's so recent, you know, I mean, it, it came out not less than 10 years ago, <laughs> you know, and it was, you know, just the, pre- the premise of it. They basically took what Marvel did with civil war and flipped it on its head and made it way more dark and way more sinister. And, you know, it's not just the heroes fighting the heroes. It's the heroes and villains, you know, aligning with these two sides. It really does take the freaking DC universe um, and flips it on its head. And it's such an just interesting, different take. You know, I love this idea of Superman going mad and, you know, Lois Lane basically gets killed and he blames Batman and it forces Batman and Joker to align together. And 
it's just if you were ever going to read a DC, you know, a comic run, to me that's like a must read, um, because it's just so iconic to me. And then for the love of God, you know, the first game and the second game came out. Go watch the cutscenes from those, and that should tell you what you know this movie could be because it's so great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is a great storyline. Um, I was going to touch on the video games. Um, they are different, completely different feel um, compared to, I think, any other hero game out there um, because of those cutscenes. And I just think the gameplay it has a better storyline as well. Um, but yeah, it's just, again, I like this casting that they've done. Um, and again, yeah, the voice actors in general i mean it's incredible what they do um and we're just i'm excited for this um check it out i'm gonna check it out when it comes out i'm not sure on the release date they're still announcing casting and confirmed characters um which i'm still bummed we're not gonna get a live version of it (laughs) like you and i talked just talked about it on the pre-show you know um the end of the cut scene of the Slater cut teased yes. in the Injustice storyline. And is Injustice really, I mean, considering the success of the game, of the video games, is it more, will it be more successful animated or live action? It, it, if you did it right and this is, you okay, made. This is, DC, this is DC doing right live action. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Okay. <laughs> Come on, Suicide Squad, get that right. Um, but it's a sad day when I have to hope to God that they had to go to James Gunn to make a good Suicide Squad. Um, which, for the love of it, it I, I my expectations are unbelievably high for that movie. Um, but man, like you, you, I never dreamed in a million years we'd get a Civil War movie. I never would have, you know. And really, the Civil War movie was nothing like the comic book run. Like they changed so much about. The story, like if you if you watch the movie and think you understand that comic book line, you need to go read the comics because it's completely different and takes a way different turn. And but they made it though, and it was so cool. And I, I saw to me, I guess I see that and I say, what it's part of my frustration with DC. Yours is that their movies just are shit, and they are. For me, it's like personal. It's like. You know, it's like the friend that you keep giving good advice to and you want them to do well and they just keep fucking up. I'm <laughs> just like, please, DC. Like, I, I like their characters more than Marvel characters. I do. They're darker, they're grittier, they're more grounded. Um, to me, their stories are more interested. It's way less formulaic. There's way different twists and turns in the runs. There's so much that can be done with those characters. Uh, you know, it, I'm... I never thought I'd be hopeful of the Flash movie, but it sounds like the Flash movie that they're making is going to be really cool. I mean, it sounds like we're going to get Michael Keaton back as Batman in it. It sounds like we're going to possibly get Ben Affleck back. I just, I want them to make good movies, man. And that would be like the culmination. That would be a culmination movie. I don't want to call it like infinity like level, but it could be. You know, you could really build that movie up, have all these characters and all these stories, have the movie, first movie end like Infinity War, where the snap, except in the snap, it's 
Lois dying and Superman really falling into darkness. And the second movie could be like them, like making it up. So they, there's so much they could do with those movies and they, they would crush records. I think. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting. Um, that's just, I know we got the suicide squad coming up, so I'm excited for it. Um, so I think it definitely gives the already giving me a different vibe than the original um, Suicide Squad. So I'm excited for that. But um, yeah, in other movie news, sort of the same way of DC. This franchise has so much potential, but hasn't gotten it right. And that's G.I. Joe. Snake Eyes bombed this week. In the reviews and in the box office. B minus like, the score. It's it it had an eighty-eight million dollar budget and it's projected to open to thirteen to fifteen million. And I know there's the pandemic and stuff like that, but you know, Eric, there's a there's a terminology that comes out. Um you know, it's it's called review embargo. Which basically means that, you know, when a movie's coming out, how long before the movie goes out did they release the embargo and to like let people talk about it? And when it's the day of Thursday and they're just now letting people talk about it, that's never a good sign. And yeah, that movie tanked. Yeah, and it's just like I said, I mean the I only saw I only saw one in theaters and it was Rise of Cobra when it came out in two thousand nine. And I thought it was good, um, to be honest. I mean, I thought, I mean, could it have been better? Yes. But it was it was good. I mean, all things considered, but they never built off it. I mean, it's sort of, again, like I said, the DC vibe. It's just, hey, we made this pretty good movie. And then the other ones are shit. <laughs> um, like... It just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, the potential's there, but I don't know. I just, you know, some of the things they're saying about it, you know, like, and they're, they're not even bashing, like, the actors in it necessarily. It's, it's things like the fact that, like, the camera work is bad. Like, I haven't seen it, and I don't really have any plans to because G.I. Joe... For a nerd, this may be blasphemous. I never really cared about GI Joe growing up. It's not in like in like endeared to me like it is to a lot of people. Um, so it's not like a movie I felt like I had to go out and see. But when you tell me that every fight scene feels like you're on like the twister part of a roller coaster because the camera keeps shaking and moving all around and you can't see the action, that's a problem. You know, when you tell me that if you watch the trailer you would know that they spoil the fucking post-credit scene in the trailer. Like, what? You know, when you tell me that, you know, Snake Eyes, who's supposed to be a hero, ends up being the villain in the movie, that's a problem. Like, I, damn. Like, the, it's, from what it sounds like, they didn't get much right. <laughs> no. No, they didn't. Um, Vulture. Um, 
I think the headline for on Vulture is Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins is nice to look at, comma, sometimes. <laughs> I mean, that says it all right there. Um, like, it's just... It's such an interesting character. And based on the reviews, and uh, it's a preview, uh, it was a preview in Black Widow. Even then, I was, even then, you and I are sort of like, eh. <laughs> like, even just the trailer, we're just like, this doesn't. We haven't mentioned it on the podcast, I don't think. <laughs> like, I don't think we've talked about it once. I'm like, this is a nerd podcast. G.I. Joe is like a target nerd thing. And we haven't mentioned it once. And it's because it was just like, okay, you know, maybe if it came out and it was great, I would go check it out. But I don't know. Sometimes you look at a movie from a trailer and you're like, I just don't feel like this is going to be good. And you can be wrong, but sometimes you're just like spot on right. And that's the vibe I got from this movie. I watched the trailer and I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. Yeah, the trailer, I mean, I mean not, it's not really nerd, but M. Night Shyamalan's new movie, Old. Like, people go to a hidden beach and turn old. It's actually based on a. It's actually based on a book. Yes. And that movie actually intrigued the shit out of me. I didn't see it because it's M. Night Shyamalan, and I don't know if I'm gonna get twenty five dollars worth of value on my ticket or if I'm gonna get two cents worth of value. So I don't go see his movies in the theater. Like. Yeah. No, it's the same. I mean, there's. I mean, Michael Bay and M. Night Shyamalan movies to me are just like, I don't know. Yeah, I refuse I, to see I, Michael Bay movies in theaters. Um, I've yeah. been that way for 20 years when I saw Pearl Harbor. Um, oh, Pearl Harbor. Man, there's some stink. Yeah. Josh Hartnett could never live. He, he still hasn't been able to live that movie now. No, I mean, it's just... Anyway, that's another one. But, uh, yeah, it's just... I mean, certain directors make a movie that I mean, he's. I'm not Shyamalan has been living off that Sixth Sense vibe. Like he's done him, he's done those types of movies. Well, like that's his that's his shtick. In his defense, he did have the Unbreakable movies that came out because he had Split, he had Unbreakable, and then he had Split, which came out and you know a couple years ago, and that had phenomenal reviews. And it was if you haven't seen Split, oh my god. Like, what are you doing with your life? Like, James McAvoy is... You want to talk about somebody that can change their personality on a dime. Um, and then Glass came out, and Glass was given okay reviews. So I'm not going to shit on him and say every movie he's been he's done was bad since Sixth Sense. Split was a critically renowned and successful movie. No, I mean, there was I mean, Sixth Sense, Unbreakable Signs, and then it sort of went into, like, the Village, Lady in the Water, The Happening, Last Airbender, After Earth. I mean, he had a he had a stretch there where those movies were just ugh. <laughs> and I think that's what gave it sort of the stigma. But anyway, um, yeah. The but anyway, the the Snake Eye. We kind of went off track there. But Snake Eyes, it's just again, there's so much potential in this franchise that I think they've missed and I don't know I mean Retaliation was 
I mean, it was sort of like the DC Warner thing where it was like reshot and redone. And it was the rock. The, they, they couldn't, the rock couldn't even save that franchise. Like when you bring in the rock to like, say like, like a jungle cruise is coming out this week. And I honestly don't know if it's any good or not. Like, I don't have any interest in seeing it, but like if you bring in the rock to save your franchise and even he can't do it, like, what are you doing? I don't know. To me, Eric, that's another frustrating. That's like the law with DC. I want to look at like Paramount and be like, how how can you fuck up GI Joe? Right. That's what, that's what I compared it to. I mean, that's what I said. Like, <laughs> it just gave me that DC vibe, like with so much potential yet poor execution. You know what it is? It's like it, I say this with DC a lot. You look at it and you look at like the movie and the people that made the movie. And you have to ask, did you even read a comic book? Did you did you not have any goods? Did you not read one bit of source material before you made this movie? Or did somebody give you a synopsis of the franchise and you just made your own shit? Because that's what a lot of DC movies feel like. And that's what this movie feels like. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Just one of those, uh, again, just one of those franchises out there that's just... I don't know. For some reason, just can't get it right. And it frustrates a lot of nerds and I mean, the demographic. I mean, I mean G.I. Joe and the I mean, a bunch of kids that grew up in the 80s and 90s had G.I. Joes. And that's all. I mean, do we really need G.I. Joe movies? I don't think so. But we got them and for the most part, Again, Rise of Cobra, I thought was decent, but after that, no. <laughs> um, but that's sort of there. But speaking of 80s and 90s kids, Millennials Rejoice. Olmec is back. Woo! Eric, I'm not going to lie, bro. When I saw this news this week, I jumped off my chair. I did not know this was a thing. I had no idea that we were getting a fucking Legends of the Hidden Temple reboot. <laughs> is it a reboot or whatever it is? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what you officially call it. Because it's not a reboot because they have OMAC coming back, really. I mean, it is, it is a reboot, but it's also adults. It's not kids. So yeah. all those adults that are in the show or trying out for the show. This is your chance of all the time watching that show of complaining. If someone all these years complaining can actually put together the silver monkey. I was just thinking that like, (laughs) Oh my God, it's, it only goes together one way. How does it take you 10 minutes? Like I was that kid. Like Same. it's three I'm, fucking it's three fucking pieces. How exactly. hard is it? Yeah, like it. Yeah, it's three pieces. But see, like if we were to audition for this, we'd be the ones that has to back up this talking. Um, but I would die running through that temple. Evidently, like I read a lot of stuff on this, and apparently, like that was like, are they? I think so. 
I mean, you can't have a temple run without. You got yeah. My is my just. I hope they bring Kurt Fogg back. You gotta have Kurt Fogg, even even if it's like a Blues Clues type thing where he's not the host, but he pops in there like Steve does on Blues Clues, like which I really appreciate that they've done that. I really like. I was shitting on Blues Clues when they announced that they were bringing it back with a new guy. And then I heard that they were Steve was going to come back and be a part of it. I was like, okay, they respect the fact that us kids grew up watching that. I really need CW to really, because I think CW is making it. Yeah. So what um, happened was um, the reboot was happening initially planned for Quibi, which um, epically failed as a streaming service. Uh, so the CW kept it and. It's now going to launch it starting October 11th. So, and it's, I mean, just from what I've read so far on it, it is the original teams. Um, all that, I mean, they're saying Omax statues there, Moat Crossing, Steps of Knowledge, team names, all that still there. Blue Barracudas, Purple Parrots, Orange Iguanas, Red Jaguars, Green Monkeys, Silver Snakes. All the winningest team in history of the show, the Silver Snakes. Yes, they were. I was partial to the Blue Barracudas. I was like the Red Jaguars, but... Yeah. um, So there's some original parts of it. Apparently it's going quote-unquote, supersized adult upgrade. So this is... So I'm excited uh, to see how this uh, this goes. Um, and, yeah, it's just... It's going to be fun. Um, I'm excited for this. I think it's just going to be... I mean, nostalgia is a big thing. But... Yeah, I... It was one of those news things that just, it's been out for a while, um, but it's really coming to, coming to light now. Well, they released a trailer this week, I think. Like, this is like the first, like, official teaser. I don't even call it a trailer. It was a teaser, you know, with a guy that voiced Omek, you know, voicing over the trailer. It, for me, I want them to, I know, I know we had kind of joked about it. I want them to bring the prizes back, too. Like, I again, when you're a kid, you don't know any better, you know. But like, when you get bounced in the first round and they give you like three dollars worth of Nesquik as a prize, I, I would love to see them do that. Like, here's a as for, for adults, you know, like here's here's a five dollar gift card to Walmart. Like, that's a, that's you know, that that you know that's your first round, you know. In the second round, it's like, hey, here's a a monthly subscription to Zips car wash services, you know, and I want it to be like adult prizes, but like with like the same like oomph behind it that kids act because you know, as a kid you're like, oh man, that's quick, but then it's like, wait, they're giving me a jar of shit I can buy at the grocery store. I, I don't know. I just I, I really want them to really hit the nostalgia with that because I, I, I the show I compare it to is kind of like Supermarket Sweep. Um, well, they brought it back, and I watched a couple episodes of it. I'm not a huge fan, like, at all. It's nothing against Leslie Jones. It's just not the same 
no, vibe. Yeah, it's just yeah, the prizes are great, and especially when you watch some of those old shows like Legends of the Hidden Temple or or Double Dare, like it was. Yeah, the prizes are great. Like, I mean, it's just hilarious when you're looking back on it. It's like, hey, you win the you win this 22 inch Zenith TV now with remote control. Um, and you know what the top prize needs to be, Eric? It's the top prize we all wanted as a kid. Space camp. Space camp. <laughs> Space camp. God, I love the fact that we got that together. They need to fucking have that as like, hey, you wanted to do this 30 years ago, but you couldn't. Guess what? You can still go to space camp. Uh, space camp. I, I would go to that in a second. That would be the most amazing prize ever. Like adult space camp where like you can have like drinks and stuff too. Yeah. Yes. Like I would that'd be kind of awesome. Um I mean space camp is I just I just love it. I mean yeah, obviously every every kid wanted to go to space camp and I don't know, I mean it's not really any kids game shows like we had growing up. Well, so, okay, my last question. Let's say this comes out and it's successful. They try years ago, there was a little network called Gas. Nick Gas, Games and Sports Network. I want that channel back so bad. So do I. So do I, bro. Same vibes. What if it's successful? The CW can now look at those other shows. And I'm going to tell you now, you give me Legends of the Hempel, there's one other show I want back. And it's guts. Legends comes out, it's a hit. Because CW likes this whole like universe thing, like the Arrowverse. Right. Like Arrow was really successful, they brought the Flash. And then Legends of Tomorrow. Right. Why this could be their next thing of reviving all of these classic like Nick game shows and making it because Michael Mal is still around. He's fatter and older like all of us, but he's still around. Like, I'm sure he would love some work. Um, I want Guts to come back. Like, two years down the road, this comes out. It's got, like, two successful seasons. It's popular. They go back to Nickelodeon. They're like, all right, we want to bring back another one of your shows. To me, it has to be Guts. Yeah, I mean, that would be amazing. Um yeah, I mean, it was just that show was. I love guts. I mean, I just like those are the two things growing up. Like, hey, I wanted to be on guts, and I wanted to win, and I wanted to climb the crag and get a, the two biggest prizes you wanted as a kid were a piece of the crag or go to space camp. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm all for it. Um, great suggestion there. And I think there's something else you wanted to revive, right? Yeah, so it was kind of a slow week, guys. And I was, you know, trying to, like, think about what we could talk about on Nerds this week. And I have no idea why this popped in my head. But I was thinking about, like, you know, classic video games that I love playing. And there's a game that, as a kid, you know, and I'm talking, like, 10, 12-year-old Jordan. I played the shit out of 
and it was Roller Coaster Tycoon. And guys, if you never played like the OG, by the way, that game originally came out in 1999. Just for point of reference, <laughs> like I'm talking old school PC playing. This was the one time of my life I've been a PC gamer. Um, and, you know, it came out in 1999 by a guy named Chris Sawyer, who was a Scottish game programmer. And it came out, it was really successful. They released um, a bunch of like expansion packs to it. So this was before EA started hitting everybody with microtransactions. Expansion packs was a thing to do for PC games back in the day. Well, for an extra 10, 12 bucks, you could buy this expansion pack and it would add more to the game. Um, so it was like legitimately like adding to the game, not, you know, again, EA where they screw you. Um, I didn't realize the franchise is actually still around. Um, they made a ton of versions of it. I even looked on the PlayStation Network. You can actually find a version of it now, except it's PlayStation VR. And from what I can see, you can only really build a roller coaster, which is cool. That was like the fun part of it. But for me, it it was called Roller Coaster Tycoon, but really it was like Theme Park Tycoon. And that's what I loved about that game is you weren't just opening a, uh, you know, or creating a roller coaster. You were building a theme park. You were putting in concession stands. You were um, having to manage a budget. 12-year-old Jordan trying to manage the budget of a theme park. What? Um, you know, you had to think of things like bathrooms and food. You had to think about how you were going to lay it out. They only gave you a select space. So you had to think about how you want to lay your space out. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie. There was points where I would build a roller coaster knowing it would fail just so I could watch the train go flying off the tracks. I don't care. Um and Eric, I don't know if you have any childhood memories of that game or ever played it, but for so, me, go ahead. I, do, I mean, it's sort of on the same vibe. Um, I know it's sort of still out in the app form and all that, but like SimCity, um, I mean, the whole point of both, like when you sort of mention it, it's kind of sociopathic um, games because your whole, most of the point of that game for me was I'm going to build this and then destroy it. Like, it's like Legos for nerds. Like, really, like you can build a creation and then destroy it. Yeah. Um, No, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of that you could. I mean, there's a lot of games out there, video game companies. I mean. I think one of the biggest ones, I'd say, I mean, just in general, I mean, from what they were, um, I mean, just a, a company I'd bring back um, because of the games is Midway, Midway Games. Um, I mean, they brought us Mortal Kombat, NBA Jam, NFL Blitz, Rampage, cruising the cruising games. Slugfest. Slugfest. I mean, like, that's just... Just those, those are just mindless escape games <laughs> um, that that are there, and I, yeah, I mean, I'm I bring those, I bring Midway back um, if I could, but or at least bring some of the games back. If I'm bringing, 
roller coaster tycoon back. I made a couple of quick notes. Um, where's it at? Oh, get back here, back here. Um, if I'm bringing it back, I want the I want updated graphics. More importantly, I think it would be cool to have like a story mode to it, kind of. I'm sure you could build something, but more importantly, the one thing that that game master lacked was the ability to visit other people's theme parks. So you're talking like Animal Crossing, Farmville? Yeah. You know, like, why not let me, like, like I build my theme park, you build yours. Let me visit your theme park and try it out. And I can take my money I earn from my theme park, I can ride the rides, and I can spend it in your theme park. And then I can give you a rating, and if I get so many, like, user-positive ratings on my theme park, I get bonuses and stuff like that. And turn it into a community thing. Where it's like, I think of like the 2K series, where like if you take like the the WWE games, where there's literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands of custom characters. Like you could make a, a character, I can download it online and play it, and I can rate that character. I would love that ability. Um, updated graphics, updated stuff, but to me that would be such a community thing you could build, like. That was the one thing I said I wanted more than else. Bring it back, the OG stuff. Bring it back with the ability to visit each other's theme parks. I think that'd be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but let's kind of end this. Um, it's back. It's that time. It's it's the nerds' Christmas, Fourth of July, whatever, Halloween, all wrapped into one. It's Comic Con. It is back, but still virtual um unfortunately but from what i read this year fans are still in san diego and they're supporting the businesses they've supported for years when they've attended um so even though it's virtual fans are still flocking to san diego and just acting like things are back to normal um so awesome there um some of the some of the panels, uh, obviously the Loki panel is a big one. Um, kind of, I don't know if that started yet, but obviously the plans for season two are going to be the big question. Um, how is it going to go going forward? Um, but there's some also, so I'm kind of looking forward to following this. I'm kind of, I'm going to take a different, I'm number one, I'm, I did not know about people were there supporting San Diego, so. Um, for the love of God, yes, go support a local business. That's amazing. Um, I think the days of San Diego Comic Con are kind of done. Um, with Marvel saying they don't really want to participate anymore, it, it reminds me of very much of the discussion we had with E3. And that's the take I'm going to take on this is Sony pulls out, Xbox pulls out, and you could still go there and celebrate video games, or in this case, still go there and celebrate comics. Because San Diego Comic-Con is more than just big Marvel announcements. Context of it is. Um, and yeah. I, I'm afraid. That, I don't know the viability of it. Once Comic-Con comes back, the days of Hall H being packed to the gills 
and people doing a trailer review and stuff like that. The days of Loki, Tom Hiddleston coming out on stage in full costume, I think are kind of over with. Because it sounds like Marvel doesn't want to do it anymore. They've got their own thing. You know, Disney has D23 now. They have their own. And, you know, DC has DC fandom that they do. So I don't want to be, like, sad and downtrodden on it. I'm happy it is. But I didn't know it was back until I read up on it. And that wasn't the case in the past. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, too. I mean, I know I mentioned things are, like, fans are there back back to normal, quote-unquote. But what is the new normal going forward? with all these events. Like, like I think it, I think cons are, I just think, I, I just mean the, the big grand version of San Diego. I think cons are still going to be around. You know, you and I have talked about, you know, living in North Carolina, um, Galaxy Con in Raleigh is huge, man. It is a monster convention. That will never go away. Because at the end of the day, like, okay, so maybe, you know, the big trailer announcements of Marvel and DC and the panels, those huge events won't be there. But you're still going to have nerds that want to get together. They want to dress up, um, you know, and they still want to go support because cons really are big like swap meets. I've never really been to a true con. I don't know if you have. No, um, I don't know, it's kind of hard for a nurse to say that we've ever done a con, but I mean, to me, I mean, like, would it be cool to see like all these former actors and all that um, on the circuit? Yes, but at the same time, it's also like I can I can talk uh, nerds for free with friends and all that, but it'd be kind of cool. Um, to see, to see all that, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I mean, to see what these cons do going forward. Um, like you said, they have these own, they have their own things. I mean, I think one of the biggest things too, I mean, is something I think Apple started this, like Apple does started their own launch things. And then now all of a sudden you get D23. And Blizzard is another one that's done BlizzCon. BlizzCon. I think BlizzCon's been around a long time. Yes. Um, it's been in the news lately because people have been shitting on Blizzard for how bad World of Warcraft is, but that's another discussion for another day. But yeah, I always think of BlizzCon as being like a con for specific type of fan, you know? Um, yeah. Um, and that might be it too. I mean, with everything, with everything like that, you know. Uh, I mean, the comic, con, the cons in general, like Comic Con, it is that it's everything comics all rolled into one, and not just comics. It's nerd stuff. It's Star Wars, Star Trek, um, like pop culture. Yeah, it's pop culture now. It's not. It's not just comics anymore. It's it's nerds and. So, yeah, I don't think it's going to go away. Um, I really don't. Um, I do think, I know I think it's been done in the past, too, where 
if someone was unable to make it, they can go, hey, we got this. Like, we can do it. We can do a video thing. And now if someone is, now if an actor is on set due to another project and it has to do a panel or a quick interview, they can take 10 minutes from their set and be, be in their trailer and be like, hey, what's up, guys? Like, sorry, I wish I could be there. And then yeah, do their thing and that's it. Well, then you get uh, John Cena coming back to wrestling this week and also promoting Suicide Squad and Peacemaker while he's doing it. Like, so you can get cross promotions, you know? Yeah, agree. Um, So we'll see how this is going to go going forward, but uh, that's going to wrap it up for this week's uh, Planet Nerd Podcast. As always, Eric, we're with Jordan Angie, and uh, join us next week. Take care. Bye, nerds.